Hello, everyone, and welcome to Love This Bitch. I'm your host, Lisa, the Life Coach. This is a self-compassion podcast where you'll learn why loving yourself is crucial to a happy life. I want to show you that you're capable of having a loving, vibrant relationship with yourself, and that relationship is crucial to having the life that you want. Self-compassion is the foundation for overcoming anxiety and for being able to live a life that's in alignment with what you truly want, to identify those things, to have the courage to take action towards your goals. It all comes from that strong foundation of self-compassion, of loving yourself, accepting yourself as you are, and knowing that no matter what happens, you'll be there for yourself, that you'll support yourself, pick yourself back up, and keep going. And you know that gives you the strength that you need to overcome that anxiety, to step out, to be yourself. And it enriches your relationship, your work, your financial life, your well-being, you know, what you do for fun, for relaxation, work. All the parts of your life can be enriched when you have this solid relationship with yourself. And it's so important because so many of us struggle with that feeling of not good enough. And that's what drives our anxiety, that we're not good enough, that we're not doing enough, that we're going to fail, that we're going to be rejected. And it also drives that um, perfectionist paralysis. Many of us, we don't even claim the title of perfectionist because we feel like we're never doing anything. And it's because we want to do so many things. We have all these should lists in our head with a million things that we should do or should do better or should do more. And we're just so overwhelmed. We don't know where to start. It would take forever to do it all and to do it up to our standards. And so we're just paralyzed and miserable and anxious and depressed. And so the key to breaking free from that is having this relationship with yourself and self-compassion. So today I'm just going to introduce you a little bit to self-compassion and what it really means. Um, My journey into self-compassion began when my coach gave me a book by um, Kristen Neff, who is recognized as an expert on the topic of self-compassion. And you can visit her website, selfcompassion.org, for all kinds of resources, including workshops, tools, and books, meditations, all kinds of things to help you practice and learn about self-compassion. Kristen earned her doctorate in moral development, and it was when she was doing her postdoctoral work that she decided to research self-compassion. So since then, she's written numerous articles, she does workshops, she teaches self-compassion. She's the author of the book that my coach gave me, Self-Compassion, The Proven Power of Being Kind to Yourself. And you can also check out um, her TED Talks. The one, The Space Between Self-Esteem and Self-Compassion, is very good. It explains the difference between self-esteem and self-compassion. And a little bit on that today. So, you know, self-esteem is like your evaluation of your self-worth. And it tends to be based on the need to be above average or to feel special. And the thing is, if everyone were above average and special, then that would mean no one is, right? And when we base our self-worth on feeling special or feeling above average, that's when we tend to start feeling the need to put others down or, you know, to rank ourselves in order to make ourselves feel better. And this is kind of what creates that narcissism um, that 
we see so much in society today. Self-esteem, it's, it's dependent on your success. And, you know, you're setting your value on that. So there's no room for failure. And people become very defensive if their sense of self-esteem is attacked. And it really takes them down. It's hard to recover from. And, and they feel that they don't have any value outside of success or outside of being perceived as better than. So instead of self-esteem, what we really want is to foster self-compassion. And self-compassion, as Dr. Neff explains it, it kind of has three components. Self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. So essentially, self-compassion is relating kindly to ourselves. And we tend to have more compassion for those around us when we embrace ourselves and who we are, exactly as we are, human imperfections and all. So this first element of self-compassion, kindness towards yourself, can be really difficult. For many of us, Um, we struggle with this harsh inner critic that's always pointing out all of our flaws constantly so that we we hardly even notice that it's playing in our minds most of the time. So what you want to do is start noticing this harsh inner critic and you want to learn to speak kindly to yourself in your mind. You want to practice gentleness, patience, um, encouragement, understanding, and even empathy with yourself. If you think about the last time that you didn't meet a goal or a standard that you had. Like, how did you talk to yourself, right? Did you say, hey, you know, this sucks. This is not really what I wanted, but I learned something. It happens. I'm just a human. I'm going to you know, pick myself up and learn from this and keep going. Or did you hear a story or you should do better? You should know better than this. You're smarter than this. You know, why can't you do anything right? You're always failing. So most likely you heard the second (laughs) voice. That's probably what brought you to this podcast today. And it's very common. There's nothing wrong with you. It's very common. And it's something that has developed in our brains over many, many lifetimes is that we tend to attack ourselves and beat ourselves up when we see what we perceive as a shortcoming or flaw, um, because we think that there is a danger right? Our brain is sensing danger there, whether we think we're going to be kicked out of our tribe and, you know, that we'll starve to death or get eaten by a tiger. Or even if we're just reacting to the way that we're going to judge ourselves and treat ourselves when we make a mistake, it initiates that fight, flight, or freeze response. And, you know, many of us freeze. And then that fight is that voice in your head telling you that you shouldn't have done it to start with and you can't do it right. So, It's very normal and common for us to be very heartless towards ourselves. And we say things to ourselves that we would we would never say to a loved one or a friend. So if no one has told you this yet, allow me. You are allowed to treat yourself with kindness. You are allowed to be nice to yourself and accept yourself just as you are, flaws and all. It will not make you less motivated. In fact, it will make you more motivated. (laughs) Just think about when you're beating yourself up like this and pointing out all your flaws and all the ways that you could have, would have, should have done better. You don't really feel very motivated. You know, I call it shooting on yourself because it sounds like you're saying something else. And that's exactly right. You just feel crappy. It doesn't motivate you. It doesn't keep you from making mistakes. It just freezes you up so that you do nothing and you don't accomplish anything. So being nice to yourself, being there to support yourself isn't going to make you less motivated because you love yourself and you want what's best for yourself. 
I was listening to a new interview with Kristen Neff recently, and she has, you know, started describing it in a way of looking at it like parenting yourself. We're out of the nest now, and we're taking care of ourselves. So I, li- I kind of liked that idea of parenting yourself. If your child messes up, you know, if they come to you and they are like, I failed a test. Well, you don't say, of course you did. You're an idiot. You're never going to accomplish anything. You need to study more. Go away. Right? That's not how, that's not how you would handle it. Instead, you're like, oh man, that really sucks. It happens sometimes. And I, I know how you're feeling. So what can we do to improve on this? You know, what, what can we learn from this and how can we get your grades up? What can we do? You're there and you're supporting them and you're helping them, you know, move forward and not just dwell on the mistake or the error and not beating them up for it. Acknowledging the pain of the failure and then working to create success. And in another way she explained it is that, you know, even though you're offering that kindness and that compassion there, you can still do mama bear. You still go into tough love mode. You can still say, okay, we've looked at this, we've discussed this, and, you know, we're going to set up a study plan and you are going to study, you know, during these certain times, right? Or just like you tell your kid, you are going to eat your vegetables. (laughs) Um, So you can still have that tough love for yourself, but not that beating yourself up. That doesn't work. So, it's not self-indulgent and it's not selfish. Um, it's really going to support you and help you be there for yourself. Trust yourself to support yourself and not beat yourself up and trust yourself to keep going and figure it out. As long as you keep going and keep taking action, you're going to get to your goal. You're going to reach success. But that's hard to do if you're just beating yourself up every time and you don't love yourself and you're not supporting yourself. So being your own best friend, being that support and that love is super crucial to achieving your goals and not feeling miserable and not feeling beat up by yourself. One way that we can work to replace that inner critic and to practice speaking to ourselves more kindly is to use a self-compassion avatar. So like, you know, in the situation where Dr. Neff was explaining it as a parent, that's a good way to look at it. You know, how would I react to my child in this situation? So you want to think of a loved one that you don't have a very complicated relationship with, that you love unconditionally and you want what's best for them. Regardless, you know, no matter what, you always want what's best for them. So I use my niece. She is um, 11 years old and my little mini me and I love her to pieces. And so when I'm having an issue where I failed or I have not met some expectation of mine, I think of how I would speak to her if she were in that situation. If she had made a mistake at work or, you know, with a client, even though she's 11 now, (laughs) I think of how I would be there for her, how I would comfort her and be like, yeah, I know this really sucks. (laughs) You're struggling right now and it hurts and I understand. And, you know, what can we do to pick up and move on? How can we learn from this and improve and keep growing? And that is how I would talk to her. So if I'm struggling, if I hear myself, you know, going into that inner critic mode with when something's happened, then I remember my adorable little niece and I switch to that voice of self-compassion and talk to myself like I would talk to her. And so that also helps with connecting to other people and having that sense of compassion and connectedness, which leads us into the second element of self-compassion, which is common humanity. You know, another difference between self-esteem and self-compassion 
is that, you know, self-compassion encourages us to connect with others. And self-esteem, you know, is, is that ranking system, that how we're different or how we're better. And that doesn't foster connection and it doesn't foster compassion for yourself or others. So self-compassion does, though, because what you're doing is connecting to that common human experience. We are all imperfect. All humans have flaws and all humans experience pain and suffering. It has different flavors, different stories and experiences of it, but we all have those experiences. We can relate to pain and suffering and failure and common things like rejection or even with our own self-compassion, we can relate to feeling unloved or unlovable because we've all experienced that. The connectedness of humanity is when you realize, when you start talking to yourself in compassion and realizing that your mistakes are human and that they're bound to happen, that it's part of life and, you know, you can learn, pivot, correct, and keep going. Offering that to you helps you connect with others. And so then when you're having situations with other people and something happens, you're more likely to see that they're coming from a, a place of pain or suffering and you can have compassion for them in that situation because you're like, oh, I've experienced this as well. They're having a struggle. Maybe your partner bit your head off or they you know, weren't listening when you were trying to talk or something. Once you're practicing that self-compassion with yourself, that helps you step in in that situation and be like, oh, wait, What's going on here? Maybe he had a hard day at work or she had a hard day at work. Um, maybe they're struggling with something. They've got something on their mind. They're just having a human moment. Sometimes that happens. And it helps you, you know, step into that place of compassion for others as well as yourself. Kristen also talks about, you know, how shooting on yourself, which we were talking about earlier, doesn't build motivation. And it's very damaging psychologically because that isolates us in our suffering. We build these walls around ourselves that we should do these things, that there's this understood, you know, consensus that this is what we should be doing. And we're the ones that are failing. We're the ones who aren't living up to all these shoulds. And that breaks that connection with others, right? And it takes away that ability to see that that we all fall short, that we all have struggles because we're just focusing on ourselves and our perceptions of what we should be doing. And all of that really does tend to bring you a lot into yourself. A lot of people who struggle with anxiety, perfectionism, depression, people can think that they're very short or that they isolate a lot, that they don't like people. And they might they may even think that. But the truth is, is that they're isolating themselves in that suffering, in that feeling of not living up to expectations, of not being good enough. And you're just so absorbed in your mind, in that perfect prison, that you are, you've lost that connection with other people. You've lost that ability to see the suffering around you because there's so much suffering inside. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not a caring person and that you don't have compassion for other people. You're just so lost in your own pain. And that's one of the beautiful things about learning self-compassion and having a coach and learning thought work and, you know, growing in those areas is that you start to realize that you have more space, that you've always had, you know, space there. Or as Andy at Headspace says, you know, the blue skies are always there. There just might be a lot of clouds over them. 
And so you start to see the clouds begin to lift and you realize that the space was there and that you are a loving, caring person um, and that you have space for other people. And so that's a very important part of compassion, that connectedness, that love and compassion for yourself, as well as for those around you. And even it spreads out to it starts with your loved ones and then those around you and then people you don't even know. So um, it's a really beautiful experience. But we lose that connection and we're so lost in our own pain, you know, and we're so used to these voices, these stories that run in our head about how we're not good enough. And, you know, we're judging ourselves and shaming ourselves and focusing on the things that we think that we lack. We don't even realize it. And that brings us to the third element of self-compassion, which is mindfulness. Mindfulness creates awareness and you have to have awareness before you can have change. Mindfulness is key to reducing our stress about the future, our depression about the past, and learning to really savor and experience the present moment, which is all we have, right? The past is over and done. The future is not promised. We have this present moment that we are alive and learning that mindfulness, that ability to step out of the stories in our head and be present and be mindful of the moment is is really key to focusing on the present and not letting future stress or past issues drag you down. And mindfulness is about finding that space that we talked about, the space to acknowledge our suffering, um, to validate it, and then to show ourselves compassion so that we can move on and love ourselves through it and keep going. And that creates happier, healthier um, lives and relationships and spreads a better energy around us. But awareness does take practice. When you're not used to practicing it, when you don't have a managed mind, you, you don't even realize how often you speak to yourself so critically and so harshly. We're just so used to that role that we, we don't even realize when it's running through our heads. And so it really takes some time to begin to notice those thoughts and to be like, oh, hey, I notice that I'm having the thought that I'm not good enough, for example. And you have to become aware of that so that you can realize, hey, this is just a thought going through my head. It doesn't mean it's true. Everything you think is not true. It's a very simple but powerful (laughs) thing to realize. And I would encourage you to write that down somewhere and to start looking at that regularly, and that will help you practice this mindfulness. Everything I think is not true. So we want to encourage, you know, this this mindfulness, this awareness of our thoughts so that we can start to be like, oh, hey, you know, I noticed that I'm thinking this. Um, and then you can work to change those thoughts and to change that voice into, you know, how you would speak to a loved one and, you know, turn that inner critic into your number one fan. Another good thing to do to start creating awareness and mindfulness about self-compassion and loving yourself is to practice journaling. I know it's not sexy and it's like, uh, okay, I've tried that before. But it really is important. When you write things down, it really gives more perspective and more power to it. In fact, um, I recently read a statistic with goals that writing your goals down makes you 50% more likely to achieve them. So writing things down is very key and it has a lot of power. So I encourage you to start a self-compassion journal and write down every day, 
at least three, but three to five things that you appreciate about yourself. And so this will help you be looking throughout the day for things that you appreciate about yourself for for how you handle things. So for example, you might write, I appreciate that I have a love of hard work. Um, I appreciate my energy, my sense of humor. I appreciate my desire to learn new things. I love the color of my eyes. I think my feet are cute. (laughs) You know, I, I appreciate that I am loyal to my friends no matter what. Um, I appreciate that I love animals or, you know, I like my laugh, things like that. So we want to be looking throughout the day for those things. So having that journal, knowing that you're going to have to write those down every day, um, whether it's first thing in the morning or the end of the day, you're going to have to write down those three to five things that you love or appreciate about yourself. It really helps start switching your mind to be more aware of that negative voice, but then also to start looking for those good things. Because um, like Dr. Rick Hansen says, um, our minds are like Teflon for good and Velcro for the bad. You know, it takes in the good. It's like, okay, yeah, I got that. That was fine. But the bad is a threat. You know, it's a threat to our safety, our security, our future, our life. We need to ruminate it, analyze it, figure out what happened. Remember this, never forget it, never let it happen again. So our, our brains are just wired that way. But thankfully, you know, the science of neuroplasticity is teaching us that we can rewire our brains, that we can look for happy, we can look for good, and we can change that. So having this journal where you write down these things that you appreciate about yourself every day, it encourages you to start looking for that, you know, to start um, changing kind of your confirmation bias. Because if you think that you aren't good enough, that's what you're looking for. That's what your mind's on alert for is, is to prove that. So instead, if you start thinking about the things that you love about yourself or appreciate about yourself, then your your mind's going to start looking for those things. And it's going to confirm the good about you. So start practicing that. It's a good, it's a good way to s- increase the mindfulness and the awareness and to start looking in your life for things to love about yourself because you deserve your love because you are you, right? You are a human life. You have value just as you are. Um, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to should this, should that, better, more, do, 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 shoulding. Um, you are worthy and you have value just as you are. And if you start looking for that, then you'll find things to enforce that in your mind and strengthen that. So why? Maybe you would like to know why is this so difficult? And, you know, why do we beat ourselves up? And why do we think that, you know, this self-criticism is going to work, even though it hasn't yet? (laughs) It's really interesting because research has proved that it doesn't work. In fact, Dr. Neff, you know, she's talked about how we actually activate that fight or flight system when we criticize ourselves. And I kind of talked about this earlier. You know, our body senses a threat and the threat is coming from our own brain. <laughs> so now it's actually a, a double dose um, going on there because we're both the predator and the prey. <laughs> and when you start attacking yourself with that criticism, you're responding to the threat. So you get all that adrenaline and cortisol that you need to to face a tiger, right? Even though you're the one attacking yourself. And so, you know, on top of all your daily stressors and 
attacking yourself, you know, you, you quickly become burnout, exhausted, and, you know, even can sink into depression. And over time, this can lead to physical stress and, and pain that can, can lead, you know, to more depression and, and more suffering. I know that I have had this experience and so have other people I've talked to is that they were stuck in that anxiety and that depression until, you know, their body started breaking down and reacting. And then that's when they were like, okay, I have to get some help with this. So I have a lot more to teach you, a lot more to talk about on this topic, of course, um, including, you know, more reasons why self-compassion will not make you unmotivated and lazy, Um, but we'll get to that in coming episodes. For now, I just want you to practice that journaling and start looking for the things that you love about yourself and, you know, work on building that relationship um, with yourself so that you know, you can learn self-compassion and build that foundation for the life that you want, you know, so you can break free from your perfectionist paralysis. You can, you know, overcome anxiety and you can be happy again and, you know, not be depressed and not feel that like you're not good enough and just not be constantly exhausted, right? So give it a try, work on it. Feel free to reach out to me. Let me know how's it, how it's going or if you have any questions. And I will talk to you next time on Love This Bitch.